greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Open the pod bay doors, Al. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You dance with the devil in the pale moonlight. What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. The price is wrong, bitch. 60% of the time, it works every time. That doesn't make sense. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And on today's episode of the podcast, um, we're going to keep it a little bit short. Uh, We didn't have quite time to organize what we were going to cover this week. And um, so since I am currently watching The Outsider on my own, uh, and also um, we're going to be covering the first episode of Avenue 5... um, I figured I'd just do kind of a little bit of a shorter episode, one that, you know, we still had one released this week and uh, didn't, you know, take too much time to get together. And uh, we'll come back with the following week with more of the traditional format with some movies we want to talk about because we've watched a few movies. We just uh, Pat and I didn't have a whole lot of time to uh, get together this week and uh, figure out what we wanted to cover. So I didn't want to miss out on covering episode three of The Outsider, uh, since episode four will be next week's um, covered episode. And then I figured, you know, Avenue 5 is a new HBO show. Uh, I'll play the trailer for you in a little while. Um, And I want to talk about that, since that's from the creator of Veep, and uh, I believe also uh, The Thick of It was also one of his uh, shows as well. Um, So... Without too much ado, we'll go ahead and get into it. So episode three of The Outsider, uh, the title of the episode is Dark Uncle. And the premise of it is, despite being on mandatory leave, Ralph continues to scrutinize the circumstances surrounding the night of the murder. Jack has a hair-raising experience at a remote barn where key evidence in a mysterious substance has been found. And much like I said, with the end of episode two kind of being a little bit of a cliffhanger, um, showing us the more evidence of the clothes that uh, Terry was uh, supposedly wearing after he murdered um, the kid, that it's more evidence for the cops to have to um, put on Terry and try to close the case. Now, there is some conflicting evidence uh, as well um, that starts to make Ralph question some more things. And he, I mean, there's like fingerprint evidence, but it's like one print is fresh and normal. And the next print was like smudged and degraded. Like it was an 85 year old man's fingerprint. And so they're not sure kind of what to make about that. And Ralph decides to enlist the help of, um, Terry's lawyer, Howie or Howard, and uh, Alec Pelly, who is is Howard's um, investigator for for the defense, 
Um, they kind of formed this coalition to figure out truly what happened. If it was Terry, how do we have this conflicting evidence? If it wasn't Terry, who could this have possibly been? Um, and Jack, I didn't mention Jack in, in my uh, in the episode two review because uh, he didn't really matter a whole lot to me, and I, I didn't really focus on it a whole lot, but he's going to play more of a significance in this episode. Uh, he's a, just a real jerk. I mean, he, he's, he is a jackass. Uh, we all kind of worked with that person who has this kind of um, self-inflated ego that they are the most important person on the face of the planet, and every slight inconvenience uh, done towards them is a direct slight to them. So uh, we are not meant to like Jack. And as we saw in episode two, he kind of causes a little confrontation at the uh, at the strip club. Um, and then we see him go back to that strip club when he's supposed to be on duty and heading towards the crime scene where they bagged all the evidence. Um, now, I also had mentioned in the episode two review that, like, I didn't know when Holly Gibney was going to be showing up. And we actually get introduced to her in this episode. Um, now, the actress who plays her, I'm not too familiar with, uh, Cynthia Irvio or Irville. I'm not sure I'm saying her name right. Um, and she's not who... Obviously, I, I pictured from the like Finders Keepers, Mr. Mercedes kind of book trilogy. Um, uh, that's not how she's kind of, I guess, how King portrayed her in the book, at least. Uh, but I really enjoyed her on the screen. I mean, when she was introduced, she's overlooking uh, from her apartment or hotel room in Chicago down at the cars, and she's listing every single car, make and model, year, uh, and every like little weird detail about them. Um, she does incorporate all of the characteristics of Holly's personality from the books. So I am very pleased with that. As much as I'm upset that it's not so much connected to, to Mr. Mercedes and all that, um, the fact that they still kept it very much the same type of character with the same type of mannerisms and the same type of kind of uh, mental capacity is the wrong word for it, but uh, just having the same tendencies as what's in the book and what makes her such a compelling character and what makes her so much so special and why she adds a different perspective to the case. Now, my only thing here is now it feels like this is moving way too fast. Like the first two episodes were very solid. Uh, they certainly are the first you know few sections of the book. Uh, but now it feels like we're kicking it into like third gear and we're going from zero to 60 just like that. Um, now that's probably just a minor complaint as we are, you know, only have 10 episodes, so they have to keep it paced accordingly to fit, uh, if they're fitting the entire book, the entire book into a 10 episode narrative. So that's a minor slight, uh, for me. So nothing to, uh, too crazy. Uh, I liked when she goes into the bar and there's someone sitting in her seat and she's like, you're in my seat. And the guy's like, well, find another one. She goes, no, that's that's my seat. And he's like, well, I'm not leaving. And she goes, oh, you're fine here. You just you got to sit somewhere else. And I think the actress, I think Cynthia does a really good job uh, in the role. So I'm very pleased with that. 
I might think it's a little too early, but uh, she is definitely fitting that P.I. kind of um, character who is running down every single lead and has uh, definitely certain quirky characteristics about her that uh, might turn off other people. And especially I like the meeting with Ralph and uh, with Alec and with her at the bar, too, when they're enlisting her services. And she goes in to kind of talk about how this could be a little bit more supernatural, uh, but still kind of like grounded in realism. And that's where the title comes from, like Dark Uncle. I believe uh, when she's doing her little exposition on it, she's talking about that being um, Celtic, I think, like Irish uh, based where I'm I'm not too clear on it. Again, it's been about a week since I watched the episode, so I need to take better notes. But usually I'm, I'm working out when I'm watching the episode, so that's kind of hard to do. But um, she provides a lot of exposition for Ralph and for Alec to kind of start wrapping their heads around a little bit of what is actually going on here. Um, so meanwhile, while this is happening, Jack, after visiting the strip club, uh, goes to the bar and crime scene. It's just taking a look around now. I, I didn't quite understand this. And again, I've got to go back and reread the book to see if this lines up correctly, because like, I don't, his whole kind of frustration with the fact that he had to go out to the crime scene in the first place is that um, it was all going to be done and packed up by the time he got there. So he detours to the strip club and gets drunk there. And then when he gets to the barn, he's like, see, you know, of course, it's all done. Well, yeah, you're it's nighttime now. Like you were supposed to be there like probably four or five hours ago. So, of course, they're all gone and everything. So his real like why he's searching around the barn um, after everybody's left is <clears throat> a little questionable, but I, I get it. You know, it's it's nothing too uh, too crazy or too out of the line. I mean, again, we're not supposed to like Jack. Um, and while he's there, we do get some kind of nice moments of intense um, panic and fear um, as he's in the dark barn and he moves his flashlight around. He catches the guy with the green hoodie who we've kind of seen um, as a side character in some sequences and some scenes in the past two episodes. Um, and then, you know, as he moves the flashlight back, he's gone. But then we kind of know he's behind him and he does something to Jack's neck. Now, we don't know what it is yet. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen because of this. Um, but we start seeing Jack fray a little bit more. There was also another kind of complaint that I had a, a little bit about this episode. There's two major, uh, one major one and one minor one. And the minor one is, is that we see again the shooting of Terry in front of the courthouse um, interspersed. And I get that this was trying to kind of convey a, uh, a sense of guilt on Ralph, but I feel like we're, we're, we're beating a dead horse at this point. Um, that like, we don't need to keep reusing that sequence. We get it. We understand this wasn't Ralph's intent. And we understand he feels guilty about this. Hence why he, while he's, uh, you know, on leave, he is still trying to figure out what actually happened here. And again, Ben Mendelsohn is just fantastic. I, I would almost cast him in about any movie as any type of character. He can play bad guys and he can play good guys. And I think one of the roles he really sold me on was um, was in Bloodline. 
you know, um, I'm trying to remember his character's name. If it was Danny, I think it was Danny. Uh, just the role he played in that was was so fantastic. And I think the only thing I had seen of him in prior to Bloodline was Dark Knight Rises. And he has such a minor role in that. But just like with Jason Bateman, he has become one of my favorite actors in any role I see him in. He pours himself in like 110 percent into the role. Um, so I really appreciate him as Ralph in this. Um, so my major complaint is all the while we are, you know, getting the main events of what's happening in the episode, we are getting some sequences of someone in jail. And maybe I wasn't paying t- attention too closely on this, but I-, I know at one point he pops out his lens from his eyeglasses and he carves it kind of into like a, a shiv into a uh, not even a shiv, but more of just a sharp kind of knife. And he cut something out of his leg and it looked like it was a scalpel, but I'm not 100 percent sure on that. And I'm just wondering, or maybe it was like he had a metal pen in his leg or something at some point. Um, So I don't understand that. And then they obviously they had moved this kind of what I would assume to be either a white supremacist or. Uh, just a racist in general, because I no, this wouldn't be Georgia. Uh, this would be in Ohio. If I'm if I'm if I'm thinking of then this is the problem I had is that this didn't it didn't establish itself well enough of who this character was in this jail cell, I believe. And then again, I might have missed it. And so if I did, I apologize. I believe that this is the male nurse that. um quote unquote, gave Terry the cut at the hospital. Now, there's a whole nother thing that goes on there, but uh, I think that's who this is intended to be, or at least the the character is supposed to be the actual male nurse. Um, so they they move some white supremacist or just straight up racist next to a cell uh, cell to, uh, you know, accidentally kill him at some point, quote unquote. Uh, and as soon as, uh, the guy makes it into a cell, he, he goes, no, I'm going to go out my own way. And he slits his own throat. The whole problem with that is it's nothing is established there. We don't know who this character is. We don't understand why he's in jail. Uh, there's no explanation to why we are getting this particular sequence throughout the rest of, of the episode. And I think it slows it down. It slows down the episode. I think the, the main gist of the episode, or at least the, the pacing of it's really done well, but when it interjects these kind of prison moments that aren't fully explained, that aren't um, giving us any context as to what's going on, it, it really kind of hurts it. But my guess is with the next episode, uh, we will we will see in the news about this happening and it'll be explained. Uh, Holly will probably find out more information since she's doing her investigation and everything. Um, so that, that's what I'm thinking. And again, like now Jack is also starting to hear voices at this point, I believe, um, you know, something telling him to do, do things. So I, I think we're set off to a very interesting fourth episode. Um, I, I think that this that was kind of the point of this one was uh, while although advancing the narrative into the investigation, uh, it was 
primarily focused on kind of setting up for the next big thing that's going to happen later on uh, that we'll probably see not so much in episode four, but in episode five, if I'm um, thinking correctly. Um, So overall, it's a very good episode. It's still a fantastic show. I think that this is just the first kind of little chink in the armor. And in all honesty, to have two really strong episodes uh like the first two back to back the fact that they were going to have maybe a third one like that was going to match that intensity and that that quality was probably very unlikely um so you know i i got to take that into consideration maybe it's because it's a different director on this episode and jason bateman did such a wonderful job with the first two that i wanted to see more of of his style and maybe again, that's kind of where some of the uh, the dislike or some of the things I didn't like about this episode or is is because of that. Um, it's kind of that small departure because it's still in tone and style. It is very much the same show, but some of those kind of those moments or those inconsistencies that I found were would probably have been addressed by Jason. So I, I that's just my personal take on it. Um, I, I still think it's a great episode. It's not the best of the first three, so I think I'm going to land on a 3.5. I'm I'm in the middle of a 3.5 and a 4 just because of those kind of prison moments. They're just not well explained enough, and and it's just – and some of those kind of character things with Jack, like going to the the strip club before and it not being kind of really – the I'm trying to think of the word I'm, I'm thinking of. Um, it just doesn't make sense that, you know, he would be granted. He's drunk by the time he gets to the barn. Uh, but why he would have expected anybody to be there at that point, drunk or sober. Uh, I, it just doesn't quite make a whole lot of sense to me. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think a, a 3.5 or a four for this one. I'm, I'm still excited for the other episodes. Uh, and I'm excited to cover each episode here on the podcast. Um, so with that said, we're going to go ahead and talk about Avenue 5. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play the trailer for that, and we'll start talking about it. Bridge crew, listen up. I need a course back to Earth. There's a lot of people counting on us to get them there. Everything is fine! Say no, you prick. If there are people to blame, they shall be blamed. I know nothing of the day-to-day goings-on. That has literally nothing to do with Herman Judd. Okay? The passengers are angry. We've got an S-storm brewing, and this a-hole is not helping. She's my favorite, is she? I suppose you are head of mission control. And I guess what they're saying is that you're not in control. Is that the mission? Bit of an update. The three injured passengers no longer injured. At last, bit of good news. No, no, no. Um, they're dead. Probably should have led to that point. Why? You are flexible. You are. Oh, it's broken. Good morning, Captain. Oh, you look haunted. I want answers. What are NASA saying? Is NASA saying? Is it is or are yes. What is they saying? NASA can offer both expertise and resources. We can. This is the overall cost to NASA. <sighs> is is that the figure or a phone number we call to get the figure? 
right, so let's talk about Avenue 5. So the basic premise of it is uh, Space Captain Ryan Clark of the Avenue 5 tries to get along with others in space tourism industry. Now, that's just a very small synopsis of it. Um, it doesn't seem, like I'm looking on, on uh, IMDb right now, that uh, a lot of people really enjoyed this. And uh, I can kind of see why. It, it, is, uh, it is definitely a... Um, deviation from if veep if you're familiar with veep uh it's definitely more i would say kind of in line with uh the thick of it where it is uh more of a dry sense of humor um it, it's actually more serious than than i think it is meant to be comedic um and so kind of what happens is we're introduced to the Avenue five, Ryan Clark, who is the captain played by Hugh Laurie is, is, um, you know, kind of going about his business. It's just kind of a giant space cruise. Uh, you have the kind of founder of the avenues or at least of his, the person that's kind of throwing this cruise, uh, Herman Judd played by Joss Gad. Uh, and you have a whole different cast of characters. A lot of people you'd be familiar with from either The Office or from Veep or from Silicon Valley. Uh, so there's a lot of familiar faces in the episode. And as they're on their kind of grand journey, they're supposed to be on like a uh, an eight week trip. Um, something happens where uh, the gravity is flipped. Everyone is thrown to one side of the ship. They get it fixed. And now it's on a different trajectory that will now cause them to be uh, on a three year trip before they could before their trajectory returns them to Earth. And uh, so everyone kind of starts to panic and you kind of learn some things about the characters. Um, It's probably going to be mild spoilers, but since the episode's a week old, I'm not too worried about uh, a whole lot of them, but you find out that the captain's not really a captain, nor is he American. Because that was one thing that was bothering me. It was like there were moments when uh, Hugh Laurie would, would be delivering something and some of his British accent would come out. And I'm like, oh, man, they, they kept that in. Like, did, couldn't they just kind of wind that back? But then when they have a meeting, when it's him, Iris, uh, Judd and um, oh, what's the uh, engineer's name? Billy. I think that's her name. Um they he kind of lets it slip and then they all kind of uh, catch on. They're like and he goes, yes, I'm British. The American accent makes them feel more uh, at safe. And I don't know why it's, you know, a nice little funny joke in there. Um, and so now it's kind of them trying to figure out what they're going to do or how can they get back on track instead of spending three years in space before they return home. And you have a whole cast of unlikable and likable characters. Um, it's it's actually got some really good sets and designs. The ship looks fantastic. Uh, and I, I like that they're kind of, although things are pretty much um, CGI, but like the in- interiors, a lot of the interior shots are all practical uh, effects and, and sets and uh, it, it doesn't look unrealistic. It looks like something that, you know, we might see in probably 10, 20 years time. So there is ni- this nice little sense of realism. Uh, they're keeping a lot of actual science into it because one of the things that Judd hates is that there's a delay in the messaging between the ship and Earth. 
And there are several moments where that's kind of hinted and and shown, um, which is kind of a realism with space that like if you're up on the International Space Station or up on the moon, the the delay between a communication could be, you know, 26 seconds or it could be a half hour, depending on the distance you are in space. And, And we've seen that kind of expressed in shows like The Expanse, especially in the books, um, of the expanse because like characters will wait, you know, three weeks to get a response, uh, or something, you know, depending on their, their place in space. It's not something like in star Trek where it's instantaneous and, uh, you know, there's no type of lack communication lag. So I, I really appreciate that, that they keep, uh, you know, a sense of realism to it. So I, I really think that the, that's the reason why a lot of people didn't quite like this. And may, maybe it's just the, um, first episode it could be that uh she is uh or that the show is going to be more appreciated from um from the other episodes moving on forward i I think uh people kind of went in with the sense of that this was going to be like veep where veep was very much straight up comedy it was ridiculous situations ridiculous characters uh and although this has ridiculous characters uh, the situations that it finds itself in are a little bit more serious, and I think the the plot is a little more serious with with humorous moments uh, kind of sprinkled uh, throughout. So I, I think people kind of need to give it more of a shot. I'm not going to say it's it's the best show out there, it's the best comedy out there, but I really like um, our I think let me get his name right, Armando Iannucci. Uh, I really like his work. I still need to see Death of Stalin, but if you haven't watched The Thick of It or if you haven't watched Veep, which I still need to watch the final season of Veep, um, that's... I really like his work. And and The Thick of It was one that was also very, very dry British humor, and I think that that's another thing that's kind of intermixed with this is people are expecting kind of a more American-style sense of humor, possibly. Um... But it, it is very, very dry. Uh, they're dry jokes. They're they're matter of fact jokes. So it's not anything where um, it's like, oh, I hit my head. Now, bah ha 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 ha. Laugh track. Insert here. Um, it's not like kind of in the style of like it's, it's always sunny or uh, you know even like Friends or uh, Big Bang Theory. It's just more. It's kind of more of like a workplace comedy in a sense, but with, but with a dry sense of humor. I think like the best way maybe to compare it is uh, the differences in style of humor is the British office versus the American office. Um, whereas people who are a huge fan of the American office, if they go and watch the British version, they are, they don't like it as much. And I and I've seen a lot of stuff where you know people call it garbage and stuff, and I'm like, well, if we didn't have it, we probably would never have gotten that amazing show. Um, and if you watch shows like that, Ricky Gervais has done, like even afterlife on Netflix, that's another dry sense of humor. Uh, it's a comedy, but it's set in kind of very somber tones about a man whose wife died and now he wants to kind of commit suicide. Um, and him trying to get over the grieving process that it, this Avenue five kind of fits within that. And it's not so outside the box sci-fi. It's not anything super crazy sci-fi. Um, so I would say if you're a huge fan of Hugh Laurie, 
and you're a fan of uh, shows like Veep and, and The Thick of It, uh, or even The British Office, it's only going to be eight episodes, it looks like, so it's not going to be a long investment. They're half-hour episodes, so you're not investing an hour into it. Um, I did find it weirdly paced. Um, I was a little kind of bored at the beginning of, of it, uh, and in fact, I had, I was starting it, and I was like, now nah, watch the rest of it later, and then I put it off until actually... Um, the you know day before the next episode airs um and i finally watched the rest of it and i was like okay this middle section is really good and then when you get to the kind of end section it's just abrupt so it was very oddly paced um i think that they need to do more better character work i wasn't i i like josh josh gad i wasn't a huge fan of of his work as judd on this um so I'm hoping that he'll grow on me a little bit more, but I think Hugh did a fantastic job. Um, Zach Woods, who plays kind of the customer rep person. I never quite like him, especially if you're familiar with him from the office. Uh, so he kind of plays that same type of character and, um, I, I doubt I will like him at all in anything I really ever see him in. Um, not that he's a bad actor. I mean, he act- that's, that's kind of a, point of credit to his fact he plays these annoying slimy type characters uh so well that that's kind of why i don't like him um so and then um the billy the uh engineer i'm trying to find her uh, lenora uh cricklow if i'm saying that right uh she is she is fantastic as billy in this and so there are good actors in this show i think they're is uh, room for improvement. Um, I think that maybe the uh, seven subsequent episodes might uh, build it up better or might might do a better job. Um, so I think I'm going to land on a... This might sound... Even though I've kind of given it a little bit of praise, I think I'll land on a three out of five on this one. Uh, I do think it needs some work. I do think it's it's got the promise of being a good show, uh, but it does have... Um, Armando's uh, sense of humor and style all litter throughout it. So I, I really think that um, people need to kind of give it a more of a shot or at least see just stick it through. It's not going to be a long season. If I can make it through Watchmen, I can make it through this. So uh, I think that's going to do it for this week's episode of the podcast. I apologize for more of a shorter format. Um, some stuff I do want to cover on upcoming uh, episodes as well. Uh, are going to be Star Trek Picard um, since that has now uh, aired. I've watched the first episode, but I think I'm going to do that kind of in pairs. So um, uh, that's that's going to be coming up in the next couple episodes uh, of the podcast. Uh, we do have some movies that we're going to cover. I know we were, we were going to cover Time Trap. And what else were we going to cover? Um, there was one other film we were going to cover. We were possibly going to cover The Guest because we watched that this weekend. Um but yeah, we just uh, kind of ran out of time this weekend to kind of get together and do uh, a normal episode of the podcast. But I didn't want to leave you guys without some form of content this week. So hopefully you enjoyed it. Uh, if you're not following us on Twitter, you can follow us at Critics NT Cynics. Um, you can write into the podcast at criticsnotcynics at gmail.com with any suggestions, uh, comments, uh, anything like that. We are. I believe a hundred followers away from reaching 2000. Uh, we just crossed the 1900 mark, uh, recently. So, you know, when we cross that 2000, we'll be doing uh, a giveaway most likely. And, um, 
Yeah, I think that's going to do it. You can follow the podcast on uh, Apple Podcast, on Spotify, the Google Play Store, uh, seeing that we're on CastBox, uh, Podbean. Uh, and if you'd be so kind to uh, leave a review and a rating for the podcast, if you're following us on iTunes, it'd be greatly appreciated. Uh, helps us get kind of more out there and more noticed by other people. So, um, all right, guys, we'll see you next time.